Hello. Hello, uh, Jennifer, what was your name? Hey, Bill. It's Jessica. Oh, hello, Jessica. Nice to see you again. Um, I'm just stopping by. I'm on my way. I'm going on tour soon. Did you hear? No. Me and Fangs are going to work on a collab. (laughs) I'm going on tour with them this summer. Wow, congrats. That's huge. I mean, he liked a tweet where I offered myself to go on tour with him. He liked Uh, it, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's like a verbal contract. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's how that works, of what I know of the music industry. So, um, I sold my dirty tambourine, and I kind of needed it. So, um, do you know, I sold it to your neighbor. Do you have a key to their apartment? Uh, No, I do not. Um, Well, um, do you know what time they go out? (laughs) No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. I realize that when I do the hello and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod, I use my, like, telephone voice where I, like, come down and it's calming and I'm very professional. And then I'm like, I immediately lose it after whatever the next thing we say is. Yeah, Jessica's always had a very specific telephone voice. I feel like there was an SNL sketch about that, but, like, how people, like, pick up a phone and they start talking. But it would have, my telephone voice sounds like this. Hello, thank you for calling me. <laughs> I thought that was Bo. No, that's no, that's just my telephone voice. Uh, oh. I've never met this Bo guy. Why does my telephone voice sound like him? A little, yeah. So, did he tell you about how Fangs liked a tweet of his? <laughs> he did. <laughs> Fangs was like, who should I take out on tour? And then Bo replied on his Twitter account, uh, I'm free. And then Fangs liked it, so... <laughs> That's my week. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, Fangs and Bo, at it again. Yep. Best friends out there on the road. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Yep. This week we're talking Am I Understood? I am understood? I am understood? Okay, that's the big problem. I, we have, do have voicemails. But that's been a big issue for this song with me my whole life. It's I Am Understood. That's the song title. I Am Understood? Yeah. But I always want to say, am I understood? And I feel like the song contains both lyrical phrasings. So it's extra confusing. I am understood? Like the main... The, but we'll get into that. First, we have some voicemails. So let's do those. Nice. You can always call 402-95-SADIE <laughs> to leave us a voicemail, like some of these nice people. And this is Connor calling up. Hey, Daniel, This is Connor calling in. Uh, a little bit. Um, just calling in after the whole uh, <laughs> Jeff getting fired up about Ryan Johnson and everything, because that's always fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that uh, people being super toxic and shoving things down other people's throats is definitely not uh, the best way of going about stuff like that. 
people can have differing opinions on things. Um, and The Last Jedi is definitely one of those things. I happen to be in the quiet minority of people who do like that movie, personally. Um, I don't. I don't think it makes sense with the rest of everything else that was going on, but I think Ryan Johnson was dealt kind of a weird hand and everything. I'm not an apologist. I'm not trying to say Jess should like it. It's, I understand why she hates it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, it's funny to me how she just hates Ryan Johnson so much as a whole. <laughs> that's, 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 that's sad. Um, uh, on a completely unrelated note, um, I mean, what? Who, who do you guys hope to see in A Knives Out 2 and 3? Who are you, your ideal cast members? Those movies by that completely unrelated director, things like that. Just curious. I don't know. <laughs> uh, not a Ryan Johnson apologist, but I don't, I don't think him looming Star Wars is the end of his being good. But anyway, maybe that's just me. I thought I would stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> I seem to make people upset when I call in, so figured I'd do it on purpose this time. Okay, bye. I loved his gleeful little laugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can be a Ryan Johnson fan. You know, you can be a polite, respectful Ryan Johnson fan. And then you can be the people who just like are out there attacking people and saying that you're one thing that you're not just because you don't care for his storytelling or where he strangely chose to take the franchise. I had. So when I saw the I mean, this has been a. So when I, neither of us liked him, Last Jedi. Yeah. Jessica and I both didn't like it. And we liked it, we didn't like it at the time. And we saw it opening night and it wasn't like anything had tainted our opinion. No. We both left the movie going, oh, that was disappointing. Right. But then it became this big thing and it becomes political from both sides. And it's like, it's like one side attacking the other. So it then becomes this whole problem of like. Like, but we just don't like the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now I can't talk. And so when I'm telling, we can't tell people that we don't like the movie. It's the only thing that I can really equate it to is Ghostbusters 2016. Which, but I feel like ugh. history has sided against ugh. Ghostbusters 2016. I hope so. Ghostbusters 2016 is a whole other thing, which I think is kind of hilarious and sad. Where. Jessica was actually incredibly pumped and excited for an all-female Ghostbusters because in the 1980s, Jessica was a Ghostbusters fan. Like I, Not in the 1980s, in the 90s. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> not around for... Well, when you were four, no. <laughs> no, I wasn't four in the 80s. No, yeah, you were four for the end of the 80s, is what I'm saying. No, I wasn't. You wouldn't have been four? No. You were born in 86, so in 1989, you would have been four or five. Three, babe. I wasn't one in 1986. I was zero. You're a fucking accountant. That has nothing to do with accountancy. I don't add up people's ages and being an accountant. (laughs) I forgot that when you're born, you're zero. I forgot this isn't Korea. I was going to say, where did you grow up? I grew up in Korea. Are you leaving this in the podcast or are we editing this out? It we got to leave weird. this in the podcast. Okay. I forgot that I'm from Korea and when we're, when we're born, we're automatically one and then we become two on our first birthday. Sorry, my mistake. Anyway, Jessica had And I been... was born in November, so it's like... Yeah, I'm at the yeah. very oh, tail right. end. Okay, you're correct. I'm sorry. So in the 90s, Jessica was a Ghostbusters fan, and she had boys telling her, 
you can't be a Ghostbusters fan. Ghostbusters is for boys. So it actually meant a lot to Jessica to hear there was going to be a female Ghostbusters movie. And then she went to see the movie and she was disappointed isn't even the word. Like literally mortified. Like the whole hope and dream had been completely swept away from her because it's just so not a Ghostbusters movie and the point of a Ghostbusters movie is not to be funny like they can be funny the humor comes from the subtlety it's in the character right like the world is taken seriously in its neon cartoony way yeah but it's taken seriously and then the humor comes from the fact that the people in this world deal with the craziness of their world with humor but then the, the the like the whole thing the whole time with that movie is like we're gonna improvise because it's hilarious and these women what, are funny. But it's like but they can be funny. Is. Yeah, that's not what Ghostbusters is. Jessica and I felt incredibly sad, right, for Jessica coming out of that movie because it's like she had these hopes for this thing that would validate her childhood, and it not only didn't do that, <laughs> it let her down in a major way. But now I think the whole I think history has sided against the Ghostbusters 2014, 16, I whatever it is. I still see people online like defending that movie and being like, "Well, you hate women if you don't like Ghostbusters 2016," and I'm like, "Pretty sure I don't hate women." <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there, right? Just wasn't the movie I wanted to see. Last Jedi wasn't the movie I wanted to see. But the funny thing was that I had already, I had like, I went into Force Awakens with like absolutely no, like, I was like, we'll just see how this goes. Right. I had no expectations. And I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, it's like a carbon copy of A New Hope. Cool. We can do that. Why not? Mm-hmm. And so, I, not that I necessarily expected the next one to sort of follow suit, but I didn't expect what we were given. Right. Was funny. What was funny for me with The Last Jedi was it was the movie I wanted for Force Awakens. When I went into Force Awakens, I wanted new Star Wars. I didn't want a repeat of existing Star Wars. I actually felt pretty disappointed going into Force Awakens and being like, oh, there's a new Empire? Oh, there's a new Rebellion? Yeah. Like, they're just reconfiguring this this like basis from the original trilogy like at at least we should have moved on we should have moved on like there should have been a whole new architecture to the story framework of the universe than another empire and another resistance like i didn't want that loose get something loose like a loose storyline from the expanded universe right but then so once so i wanted I didn't want them to rehash existing frameworks from... I wanted them to come up with a whole new version of the universe. A whole new dynamic. And they didn't do that. But then I'm like, oh, well, they didn't do that. But this is what we got. So now I'm looking forward to finding out all these things like who is Rey and who is Snoke. And it's like, then in the second movie, we got what I wanted in the first place. Which the whole point of the second movie is forget everything you know you think is important about the star wars universe but it was like this isn't the lesson i needed because i didn't want (laughs) the the stuff that disney because especially when disney bought star wars all they did was tell stories set during the original trilogy like they it took them years and years until now pretty much to go back before the trilogy to go back before the prequels to give us stories set in the future like when disney started all their expanded books and comic books were only set during Luke Skywalker's life. And I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I want new stuff. Just move on. Oh, 
Who are you calling? I'm not calling anybody. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's When right. I get a phone call on the Bluetooth, <laughs> it sounds like an incoming call. So whatever. That was our signal to move on from the Star Wars <laughs> stuff. But, like, I don't actually care that much. And we, our friend John Scully, he has the perfect analogy about the Star Wars universe. It's like Chernobyl. And there's, like, different sections where you can dip, <laughs> Like, you can go and visit as a tourist, but you can't stay there too long. And there's different, like... There's different uh, di- diameters of how poisonous it is the further in you get and yeah. how much longer you can stay. Yeah. And each trilogy is its own ring in the diameter. <laughs> so anyway, so let's go on. We have Connor calling one more time. I didn't see this, so he called again. Hey, guys. Connor calling back again. Uh, just with more clarifying about the last that I didn't actually say. Um, when I said that, I feel like Ryan Johnson was not like a shitty hand or whatever. I feel like that's just because of the whole um, thought of well, and I mean, you guys are in the film industry. You would know better than I would. So maybe you can offer some insight into this. But the whole thought of, like, having different directors for all three of the movies and, uh, like, good old J.J. Abrams um, starting it off and then finishing it because Ryan Johnson, like, completely took the story in a different direction. I, I mean, J.J. Abrams recently even, like, came out and said something along the lines of, like, hey... If I ever do this kind of thing again, I'm going to make sure I like, write it down and have a plan. Um, because then he came in and did the cleanup duty or whatever, and I, I haven't even watched Rise of Skywalker because it sounds like people hate that one too. Um, but uh, it just seems like a weird way of doing the entire film series in general, like having different directors, not having a set story that they're supposed to do. Or anything like that. So, I just don't think it's 100% Ryan Johnson's fault that things turned out the way they did when that's what he was given to work with and then people got mad about it because he tried to do something different since episode 7 was just episode 4 again. Um, and all that to say, because that kind of ties in, I don't think Ryan Johnson apologists have made the Star Wars fandom any more toxic than it already was. Because it seems like the people who hate Star Wars the most are Star Wars fans. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Anyway, I think that should... I think that's all of my thoughts. Any clarifying thoughts, I think that's it. Anyway, that's all. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Also, nice that was really good. Yeah, there's toxicity in in every fandom. It's just a thing. It's, you know... But yeah, so uh, that is How much more do we want to get really, into this? Yeah, because <laughs> it's not strange to have different directors because that's what the original trilogy did. Right. But they had a framework to follow. And they didn't That's have, what's mind-boggling. And yes, it is It is a lie when George Lucas is like, I had all these stories written down, <laughs> making it sound like he knew exactly what the fifth, what, you know, the fifth and sixth movie were supposed to be. But he didn't really know exactly. He had a framework. He had, he had the early drafts that they could draw from. But at the same time, like, you know, they built on something with the first movie and then they didn't like, with Empire Strikes Back, they didn't like say, who was Jabba the Hutt mentioned in the first movie? Doesn't matter, he's dead, or all these things. They didn't burn anything to the ground. Yeah. That's... But that's what I wanted. What Ryan Johnson did is what I wanted in Force Awakens. He just burnt everything to the ground, but he did it at the wrong time. 
It wasn't, you don't pick this, the middle movie of a trilogy right. to burn it's, down an entire universe. It's completely, it, it is true that it's not Ryan Johnson's fault because he was told, because apparently, because he was said, you could just make your movie. You just go ahead and make your movie. And he just made his movie that he got to make. And that's the movie he made. And it's There's like, a lot of higher ups that are at fault. Yeah. There's a lot of higher ups that are at fault. Because Marvel it. doesn't do this the same way. They completely, no. they know their stories. They got, they got their kevin feige like figuring out exactly what stories they want to tell and you hear all kinds of stuff about the cool ways they do that like they go to the guy who plays hulk mark ruffalo and they're like hey what do you you know we can't do a hulk movie because universal's involved in that so we can't do that so what do you want in all the movies what movies do you want to be in and we'll start working on those stories and then they go and they like have everything planned out forever right but Star Wars is just like, eh. <laughs> well, wait. There you go. So Their Kevin Feige is far from a Kevin Feige. Right. <laughs> Which you can say because you're a woman. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to our Star Wars podcast. Yeah, I yeah. guess we're stuck in this mode now because <laughs> we have another voicemail talking about Ryan Johnson and Star Wars. And this one is from, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will say though, Rise of Skywalker, I didn't hate it. It was definitely like it was it was wall to wall like stuff happening because you could tell they were trying <laughs> to make up for the previous movie and they're like we got to put all the things in this one. It was the best big budget Star Wars television show episode I'd ever seen. Yeah. You know, it was like <laughs> it was like a television it was like the Ray and Friends Star Wars television show. <laughs> Put on a multi-million dollar budget. That's how I felt about it. So, if a Magna, if a Magdalorian, what's it called? <laughs> if the Mandalorian had billion a billion dollar budget. So that's that. We're not talking about that again. <laughs> I don't even love Star Wars. I'm a Zack Snyder apologist. That's where yeah, I put is. all my. That's where I put all my uh, eggs in one basket. Like I actually. We've talked about it in the past, but I actually love all the bad decisions he makes for the the DC movies, like all these ideas that nobody likes. I love those. So I, I I'm think, getting messages from work. Yeah, my thing is that um, I don't like extremism on whatever end you kind of come at it from, because they're extremists, especially like in politics on both ends. And it's like, I just... I'm like, just be cool. Everybody right. just, you know, chill. Take a chill pill. Like, you don't have to go I remember- from one extreme end to another. So it's like, in these fandoms, you find people who are, like, out there to be, like, aggressively white knighting. And I'm like, whoa. I, I think Jessica probably wouldn't feel this specific way about Ryan Johnson and the, this specific movie. I remember, I think I know what Patient Zero, the moment where you got, me just mentioning Ryan Johnson last week kind of set you off. And I think I know (laughs) where that's rooted in. Uh Uh-oh, okay. Do you remember? I might be, this might be a big mistake bringing it up again. Uh Uh-oh. But do you remember there was a tweet that went viral that like got hugely, not even ratioed because it got likes and retweets and comments and everything that said, if you don't like The Last Jedi, you're a pedophile. 
No. You don't remember that? You no. lost your coupons. You must have blocked it out because yeah. you got so I mean, mad. I've seen all of the, I mean, I feel had, like I've seen all of them. Like, the we, if, you do, if you don't like Last Jedi, you're a racist, whatever. you're a homophobe, you're this, But you're this that, one was like a joke that was like this thing. And who even knows if the person was sincere or not? But you saw this tweet and it had like tens of thousands of retweets and hundreds of thousands of likes and millions of comments or whatever. And you got so mad. <laughs> and we hadn't talked about it. This is only a couple months after the movie came out. And you, we hadn't even talked about the movie in forever. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> you got so mad. So I think that's deeply rooted in the back of your mind. And then so anytime it comes up. Well, it's up, also <laughs> triggering because of the Ghostbuster thing. Where right. it's like, come on. But I think history is on come your on. side about Ghostbusters 2016. <laughs> when you Google Ghostbusters... It comes up as the original movie. Like, nobody thinks... It's like the Point Break remake. Like, eventually, some of these remakes nobody thinks about anymore. And the original remains, like, the most searched version. Oh, man. We're going to get so many Apple, like, comments about how we go on with the with the opening <laughs> part for two <laughs> So, we just... So, do you feel like you've been understood about this whole thing with Ghostbusters and The Last Jedi? Are you understood? Like Am I understood? I am understood. I don't know if I'm understood or not. So let's go from talking about (laughs) this, like, this, this, this minefield of a discussion into one of the most easily understood and openly accepted things ever. The salvation of Christ that Christ gives us. I'm not going to lie. I didn't look at the lyrics again this (laughs) week. Well, this is a worship song, like flat out. It's so funny that you didn't look them up because this is like just completely a worship song. And Much I'm like I need lyrics. you, I didn't really look at the lyrics ahead of time. I mean, I need you is like a plea and a prayer. Uh, but Am I Understood feels fully like a worship song from the lyrics to the music to the movements that were, are within the music. Like... This reminds me flat out of basically like a punk worship song, which sounds ridiculous, but I think that this came up. I have to look really quick at the anatomy um, playlist to remember what it was. Those words are not enough. Hold on. Yeah. When we, when we talked about those words are not enough, I had basically the same thought. It's like, this is a worship song played in a punk styling and i guess there would be a big difference between like putting punk music into worship or putting worship into punk music does this make sense i can't think of an example of both but i feel like this is more putting worship music into pop rock pop punk music right i think you start in relying k's case with the those words are not enough and am i understood i think you start with the pop rock, pop punk, fat wreck, fat epitaph sound kind of thing. And then you inject into that the form of a worship song. And that's what you get for these two songs. Yeah. I mean, much like I Need You, this is, again, one of those Reliant K songs where I kind of feel like I'm getting new Reliant K or new old Reliant K because I never really listened to this track. Right. Um, I love this song, by the way. (laughs) I really like this I know you do. The breakdown, actually, I guess it's the chorus, sounds like the song at the end of Mallrats to me. Uh, Suzanne by, by, uh, by Weezer. 
Hold on by one second. By the Weezer? By the Weezer. So, like this part? No. Oh, yes. Suzanne! You're all that I wanted yeah. from a girl. You're all that I need in the world. Da da da. Yeah, you're right. And we do know that early Reliant K likes and is influenced by Weezer. So. Yeah, that's so funny. I never would have called that. One second. I'm bringing up the song. That's Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Yeah, that's a good call. I never would have thought of that. And that's so funny because <laughs> I owned the Mallrat soundtrack as a kid. And Weezer was one of the main reasons that I bought it. So that's so funny. Yeah. Um, so you you really like this song. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, the style changes throughout the song a few times. And I don't know that I'm a fan of that. In like the last 45 seconds, they decide they're a metal band. And right. it's well, a little too much. This also feels like softer to me part two. Like the way you have, okay. the way there's two failure, song, failure to excommunicate songs. I feel like this song could have been called softer to me softer to me softer the number two me like coming to america sure or softer to me am i understood just like yeah it has this like it should be called softer to me softer to me <laughs> sock it to me remember when nixon said that uh no you don't know you're not familiar with when uh, richard nixon was on laughing and he popped <laughs> <laughs> this is very infamous richard Nixon laughing and he pops you know how yeah here we, we established earlier in this episode what year I was born <laughs> <laughs> and we established in many other episodes that I'm 60 okay oh I went too far you've never I don't have no idea what happens in this Hold on, it's a 38-second clip. Let's watch Rowan and Martin's laugh-in with, with Nixon. So this lady's getting a call. Beautiful downtown Burbank. Oh, hello, Governor Rockefeller. Oh, no. I don't think we could get Mr. Nixon to stand still for a socket to me. Sock it to me? I have no idea what that is. (laughs) So, I guess, so, she's just like, I guess she's the call switch operator at this 60s sketch show, which was called Laugh-In. And then she just answers the phone and she's like, oh no, I don't think we can get Mr. Nixon to stand still for a, for a sock it to me. I guess that's like a catchphrase from the show and people just look into the camera and say sock it to me. And they got Nixon on the show somehow just to say sock it to me. Nice. But I think that like this was infamous for like kind of softening the image of Nixon Probably. to a lot of more like hippies and liberals yeah. and stuff like that. But like in a false way right? right like he appears on this this like uh groovy 60s comedy show and he just looks at the camera and goes sock it to me so that's what i think of when i hear am i understood this was this was a diversion <laughs> forget the ryan johnson star wars stuff this is gonna get a this is gonna get our listeners really confused oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> i just played another thing 
so yeah, so this is so this to me really does feel like sort of like a a, a second attempt at a softer to me. But softer, softer to me. I'm gonna do it every time now. Every time softer to me comes up, I'm gonna go softer to me. So it feels like a sequel to that song in a little bit of a way. Like softer to me does, as we talked about when we did that song, sound to me like Reliant K trying to do a post-hardcore thing. Like they they weren't. They're Reliant K is never gonna be a post-hardcore band, but it feels to me like them trying to do as close to an approximation of a Fugazi or all the different post-hardcore bands that were popular on Tooth and Nail, like Frodus or whatever. Uh, and this feels like that felt like their attempt at that. This is much more of a pop rock, pop punk, skate punk thing in the form of a worship song, which then ends with sort of a hardcore like, you know, break, not a breakdown, but like sort of a ha- hardcore, like, I guess, breakdown, like big old screamo section. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just feels like kind of an approximation of the feeling of let's do another version, another kind of thing like softer to me. And then one other thing I realized is that on two, on two lefts, two lefts, not three lefts, you have this song, which is this like hard rocking worship, which is this heavy worship song, this heavy punk-ish worship song, immediately followed up by a straight ahead worship song, like a straight ahead acoustic worship song. And then over on Anatomy, I think you basically have the same thing. You have this, like, those words are not enough is basically, like, this skate punk song in the form of a worship song. I just want to jump up and down. (laughs) Immediately followed by another acoustic worship song. So they did the same thing on both albums. If it ain't broke. Yeah, and it's, like, it seems to be a formula they figured out for just these two albums. Although on Anatomy... Those words are not enough, and for moments I feel faint, or track seven and eight. And then on two lefts, um, this same sort of song structure, Am I Understood and Getting Into You, are tracks 10 and 11. So they put it a little later on this CD. Also, we can just mention this and put this note to bed, but I listened to the gold and the non-gold version, and this Mm -hmm. is one where I don't really hear much of a difference Mm -hmm. at all. Um, I really, there's, there's no like major, there's no major changes that I could ascertain. So I think this one's fine. If you, I mean, again, it's like just the guitar sounds a little cooler and rougher in the original mix. And then it's just polished in the 2006 gold mix. So it's just sounds cooler in 2003. Nice. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on the song? Nope. (laughs) So I do love this song. Let's read through the lyrics Let's a little talk bit. Talk about Star Wars again. <laughs> Let's talk about the original Star Wars, Jesus, because this song is absolutely about salvation through Christ. Like this is, as I mean, I heavily implied it, saying it's a worship song, but this is a song about coming before the Lord. Sometimes it's embarrassing to talk to you, to hold a conversation with the only one who sees right through this version of myself. I try to hide behind. I'll bury my face. You know, it's funny the way it's like parceled out in the lyrics. It's hard to read, whereas it (laughs) feels like it flows properly in the cadence of the song. This version of myself I try to hide behind. I'll bury my face because my disgrace will leave me terrified. And sometimes I'm so thankful for your loyalty. Your love, regardless of the mistakes I make, will spoil me. 
My confidence is, in a sense, a gift you've given me, and I'm satisfied to realize you're all I'll ever need. You looked into my life and never stopped, and you're thinking all my thoughts are so simple but so beautiful, and you recite my words right back to me before I even speak. You let me know I am understood. So... I mean, we that could, is really beautiful. Yeah. And it's got, it's very poignant. It's, it's like, it's, it's funny with the rules that I've set down <laughs> with God or girl songs. Mm-hmm. There is not a specific, there's not like a specific thing of, well, no, when he says salvation, salvation at the end, up to this point, you basically got to know Reliant K is a Christian band mm-hmm. to know that this song is clearly about your salvation through Christ. And he's speaking to Christ. And he's thanking him for uh, all of his complete forgiveness. And he's talking about how he feels ashamed of having to come back and having to be one way with the world and be another way. And God sees through him and stuff like that. So this is clearly like a, 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 a worshipful song. But at this point, aside from, I guess, the pronouns, and they're not capitalized on this AZ lyric page... <laughs> Um, I just took a bite of a strawberry. (laughs) Um, You looked into my life and never stopped. I read that. And sometimes I spend my time just trying to escape. I work so hard so desperately in an attempt to create space. Because I want distance from the utmost important thing I know. I see your love, then turn my back and beg for you to go. Well, that's quite a line. Mm Mm-hmm. To, uh, I mean, that's, that's... It's bad Christian teasing. <laughs> or it's just like God's forgiveness is so undeniable and so everlasting that you feel this is like coming back to this like Christian shame thing. And it's like, God, I don't deserve you or something like that, which mm-hmm. in and of itself doesn't seem healthy <laughs> and doesn't seem right. But this is a very old concept or, or or like seeing the face of god or feeling his presence and his power so strongly that you're like like literally weakened to the knees and you fall down or it's too much for your heart and your mind to take at that moment oh see i read it more as like and oh yeah he's running so and sometimes i spend my time just trying yeah. to escape i work so hard so desperately in an attempt to create space so this is becoming like a, a prodigal son thing because I want distance from the utmost important thing I know. I see your love, then turn my back and beg for you to go. So yeah, at this moment, he's saying sometimes, before he was saying sometimes I'm embarrassed to pray because you see right through me and you know the bad things in my heart and you forgive me for them and I'm so thankful for your love and your loyalty and I, I, have, and I have confidence in knowing that you'll always love me. But then he's admitting that there's other times where it's just too much and he doesn't want to deal with it. And he doesn't want to work at his faith. And he just wants to be done with it. You're the only one who, compl- who, you're the only one who understands completely. You're the only one. You're the only one knows me yet still loves me completely. And sometimes the place I'm at is at a loss for words. If I think of something worthy... I know that it's already yours, and through the times I faded, and you've outlined me again. I hope, I hope these are the correct lyrics. I should go to Genius or something, or get the booklet. Uh, you've just patiently waited to bring me back, and then, and then the the sort of outro section is, 
The noise has broken my defense. Let me embrace salvation. Your voice has broken my defense. Let me embrace salvation. So it's like God just, it's just that tug and pull and back and forth between your faith and a crisis of faith and coming back to God and turning away from him again. That's what this song is. And that's especially like these lyrics are worship lyrics and then the sort of the op- the acoustic guitar that opens it and then these uplifting movements and then the sort of like hardcore breakdown even coming into this like softer to me type thing at the end. It all feels to me like a big skate punk worship song, <laughs> which I there must be other bands like maybe, you know. I don't know. I can't really think of other skate punk bands from the time that really wrote skate punk worship songs. Mm. There probably are in the CDs that I own, but maybe ones that I haven't like paid that close attention to. I was going to say the insiders, but that's God. Right. But that's, but those are also specifically covers of worship songs. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking, and, and it's one thing for you to have a pop punk or pop rock or skate punk band that re- then records a worship song, but to do a worship song with the... They had original songs too, though. The Insiders. Oh, no, they definitely did. Yeah, yeah but... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, like, the Supertones are, like... Some of the, some of those are, like, you know, church and teaching you how to be, but then some of them are worship songs. So, oh, yeah, I guess so. But I'm really thinking about, like, the form and the flow of a worship song as we understand it in sort of the pre-Coldplay worship, right? Before before churches right. and worship bands got more and more Coldplay-esque. Right. Like, what we understand of a worship song and, and having that sort of structure to a song, but applying these sort of, like, crunchy, fat epitaph, pop-punk stylings. I don't know of any other specific band that did that, and if they did... I don't know if it would be successful because when you hear this song, you don't necessarily think of it flat out as a worship song. You know what I mean? Like I certainly never did. I'm just thinking of it that way now because I'm kind of overanalyzing the song. I feel like I've talked about the song so much tonight that I need to listen to it again for a second. It is also super long. It's four minutes long. It is a long song. It's a long song. It's almost surprising that they didn't break it up like they do. Some songs that seem like they're meant to be together. Right. I mean, it definitely feels like one sort of song. But yeah, if this was a song that they wrote if later in their like, career. This is the end if you want it. Yeah, like. they would have been broken up into like three movements. Yeah. And I love this part. This is great. This sounds like the decline. <laughs> this is- I guess maybe that's a thing. Maybe this is like a... You're not familiar with The Decline. But NoFX released this like 20-minute pop-punk song. This 20-minute NoFX song. Uh And it has all these little... It's basically a bunch of little songs all connected together. And they do these kind of transitions. Like the song will suddenly sort of stop. When did that come out? In like 1997 or eight or something. Well, Tyson has a NoFX sticker on his guitar, and there you he had go. like a poster of them in, their, in his bedroom or something in that in the webisodes. So I wonder if this is his four-minute version of a Christian decline of a cry of a of a Christ because there is like a moment in the in the song the decline. And it's 
I have never analyzed the decline from beginning to end, but it's a very political song. And there's a thing about the Christians and the NRA, which is actually kind of more poignant nowadays. Cause I would say like, maybe at the time when I'm a Christian, I hear that song. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not into the NRA and I'm not Christian, but now even more than ever, I'm like, yeah, fuck those Christians <laughs> who call themselves that and are like gun toting and like hateful towards people. Like that's a whole different, a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But to be in like the, in the early two thousands and maybe really like no effects and then be like, I'm going to kind of write, like I'm going to do a four minute version of the decline <laughs> and I'm going to make it a worship song about my, the push and pull of my faith. And then he goes on to write deathbed which is basically the decline. It's another 20 minute <laughs> song, right? There you go. Think about it. No effects is the decline. Relying K's deathbed. Same song. Think about it. <laughs> Danny's <laughs> bumping his fists together. <laughs> Each one of my fists represents the two songs and they bump together. <laughs> so I feel like we've said everything we can about this song. I mean, I just, I really enjoy it. It's got that, this hits me in the same spot as like Fallen Out and that other song i love falling out falling out's a great it's just these like yeah and uh the other one i just mentioned (laughs) (laughs) those words are not enough and then i guess one other thing we had to talk about and this could kind of be a um theme for the last two weeks with uh well no we did manic monday last week i forgot because that's a shorter shorter episode but the last two main reliant k songs we did i need you and now this one is like, I guess this must be Dave singing, right? <laughs> she just yeah, gave a shrug. Must be. <laughs> and this is the thing it's that a good guess. I like, could never tell when it's Dave singing and when it's Tyson singing. Yeah. I can tell when it's Hoops, but I can't necessarily tell when when Dave takes over for Tyson. Because sometimes. Let's just say that's Dave. Okay. Dave sounds like Tyson kind of screaming from the gut. Yeah. So it's really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to tell. And, it, 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 you know, there are a lot of songs where uh, they might be giant songs where John Linnell and John Flansburg are doing one of them is doing a funny voice. And then you can't exactly tell which if which one it is. Like, I know which one's Flans and which one's Linnell and sometimes they yeah, kind me of too. I know you just can't tell flat out which is which <laughs> <laughs> but when they're doing a funny voice and sometimes they can kind of do like impressions of each other especially when you're like singing with each other for decades like right. that they can kind of like hit things and do impressions of each other and then it's like really confusing so I feel the same way about the uh, vocals when Dave sings so anyway uh, we'll go to our break and we get back Jessica will have her deep dive We want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Tee Public store. There you can pick up merchandise or 
merch, as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our little Sheet Boy ice cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive regard. So you like Reliant K, do you? Well, what about They Might Be Giants? My name is Greg Simpson, and I host a They Might Be Giants fan podcast, and it's called This Might Be a Podcast. This Might Be a Podcast is a song-by-song podcast featuring a different guest every episode from normal fans like you and I, but also I've had guests such as John Darneal of the Mountain Goats, Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, Hutch Harris of the Thermals, Mike Park of Asian Man Records, Franz Nikolai of The Hold Steady, and Danny Weinkoff and Marty Beller of They Might Be Giants, and past drummers Dan Hickey and Brian Doherty. Search for Punk News, or This Might Be a Podcast, on any podcast platform and you will find us. This might be a podcast brought to you by PunkNews.org. Well, this may be the shortest deep dive segment uh, we've ever done. Okay. Not that it was the shortest page results. There were so many unrelated pages that, uh, yeah. Now, keeping in mind, I was enjoying a little sports money at the time. <laughs> But I got to page 11 or something, and my phone crashed. So Your whole phone. Just, just the Google. Just the Googles. The Googles and the, the Safari crashed. And so I didn't go back because when I reloaded it, it started from the top. So I didn't go back. But based on the wacky stuff that that we were getting, I don't think that there was any more Reliant K-related stuff on whatever one or two pages might have been left. Gotcha. It was a lot of those, like, those those pages where it's just the description is all numbers mm-hmm. and, like, the title is just all numbers. Right, so right, we were okay. getting down into those. Uh, we do have song meanings, though. Jesus. It's about Jesus. This is the one time where I'm like, if someone says the opposite, I'm like, no. It's about Jesus. Unless the people are getting into uh, theological discussions and debates in there. On April 30th, 2004, Ragna said underscore great underscore song dot simply amazing dot. Okay. Uh, then X already heard X on June 24th, 2004 said, first off, I'm pretty sure this song is called I am understood, not am I understood. So I guess at some point on song meanings, it was incorrect. Oh, okay. I guess this song is basically about how no matter how much he messes up, God is always there for him and always forgives him. I love this song. Well, I don't know if it's about that. Just kidding. Uh... Music Kid 07 from November 8th, 2004 said, 
Oh, and what it means to me is that even when I feel like, oh, because they, sorry, they said they left two comments. Uh, the first one, they said, this song is my favorite on the album. I completely relate to it. And yes, the song is called I Am Understood. And then they left a second comment that said, oh, and what it means to me is that even when I feel like I have no one here that understands me, I know that I still have God. And in the end, he's really all that I need. Mm -hmm. And then they added, it's quite comforting, really. And another comment. Upside down exclamation point, squiggly line, music equals life, squiggly line, exclamation point on December 7th, 2004 said, this song is amazing. And you recite my words right back to me before I even speak. That's amazing and so true. And sometimes when I find myself at a loss for words, because I think of something worthy, I know that it's already yours. The lyrics are just phenomenal. And the song performed live is incredible in all caps. I get the chills thinking about it. Did you hear this one live ever, Dan? I probably did because I have uh, one video from a tour that I know I went to. Well, there you go. Nice. But I don't have a specific memory of seeing it. Uh, Miss Lottie Dot. A lot of of repeat commenters on song meanings. Uh, December 26, 2004 said, yeah, there is so much musical genius in this song i love how reliant k can summarize seemingly everything god feels for you in one song and make it sound friggin gorgeous too this is one of my favorite songs on the album and then they uh quote the song and write sigh where's the meaty stuff where's like the you're an idiot (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) marilyn manson is not the devil well well Then from the Wheeler Register, from November 1st, 1887, camel's hair underwear, warmer than wool, no dye, will not shrink. That was just a comment? That was the I I got confused and thought that was the the article. Oh, okay. I thought, leading me on, how much did they pay? (laughs) Don't read ads on our, we already have our own ads. Okay, how about this? Try Liss Cough Syrup from the Honey Tulu Tar and Company. RH List Wheeling. Go to Lashes for watches, diamonds, silverware, clocks, and C. Dot. I don't know what that means. More, I guess. Prices the very lowest. Also for the best sewing machine, the new number eight Wheeler and Wilson corner of main and 11th street i don't understand anything you're saying this is something that just came up in your deep dive somehow yep. uh i it's the archive from a newspaper from the 1800s why did it come up was and, Reliant k playing a concert that yeah, exactly archives of two more newspapers from the mid to late 1800s popped up as well I guess people really wanted to be understood in the latter 1800s. So I'm guessing it's the the understood part that kept sort of uh, ticking it off on the Google algorithm. I can't think about (laughs) time travel like this. Here, (laughs) do you want to look? No, I get it. You want to read the paper from that day? No, (laughs) no, it's too scary. It shouldn't exist. Well, that's it. Go away. That's the whole thing. (laughs) History. That's my whole deep dive. Okay. Well. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> I thank you for your deep dive, your weekly deep dive, Jessica. Even when it turns out like that, I'm still 
Sometimes it's embarrassing to talk to you about your deep dive. <laughs> no, that was, you did. That was great. Thank you. Harsh. Well, you asked, did I ever see this song live? And apparently they performed it on the Panic with a K tour, which I went to in Orlando. Nice. Although this is the performance from San Diego, and I don't think we can ever trust any setlist FM data when it comes to something as early as the Panic with a K tour, which was 2005. So I really don't know if they did play it in Orlando, but here they are playing it in San Diego, November 17th, 2005, uploaded by Fobinator. Fobinator. F O B B I Nator. Sometimes it's embarrassing to talk to you, to hold a conversation with the only one who sees right through this version of myself. I try to hide behind, I'll bury my face because my disgrace will be terrified. Okay, and that is Dave singing right there. Sometimes I'm so thankful for your yeah. loyalty. That's Dave singing because Tyson fully pulled away from the mic. Nice. Girls are screaming. Everybody's going crazy. <laughs> This is super blown out. Sorry about that, but this is one of only two videos I have where they played it. It's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. It sounds even more like a heavy rock worship song live though than it does even on than it does on the album so here's one other video i found live and this is from 2005 so i guess they were playing it a bunch in 2005 hmm. with john john and dave and this is from cornerstone florida which i got excited for a second and thought i was at this but i wasn't i went to cornerstone florida 2006 and 2007 right yes yes so I had moved, I probably hadn't, this is probably just a couple months before I moved to Florida. So I wouldn't have been at this Cornerstone, Florida, which if it, I don't, I don't think Cornerstone, Florida made as big an impact on the cultural zeitgeist as the original Cornerstone, <laughs> but Cornerstone, Florida happened in, at the Orlando, Orange County, uh, fairgrounds, same place where I, same fairgrounds where I saw <laughs> Gary Coleman. Yeah. I was, he was, it was a comic book convention on those fairgrounds and Gary Coleman was there signing. I did not get a signature from him. I did not get an autograph, but then I went to the pony rides and I was going to, I was thinking about getting a pony ride or an elephant <laughs> ride. I was going to the petting zoo. There was a petting zoo. Oh, you know what? Sorry. They have they had comic book conventions there, but they would also have state fairs there, 
and sometimes the state fairs had celebrities doing signings and sometimes the, they did a lot at the orange county florida fairgrounds so there i am thinking I'm there, and I'm like, maybe I'm going to ride an elephant. Maybe I'm going to ride a pony. Maybe I'm just going to pet the pony. But then Gary Coleman comes by and starts asking, and he's right there. And Gary Coleman comes by, and he starts asking the pet hand, the uh, the horse handler what kind of horse is that, what kind of pony is that. He nice. seems to know a little bit about horses and ponies. And I'm just Classic watching. comic book convention. Come and ride the elephants and ponies. I know. I wasn't thinking. Sorry. <laughs> Now, this is the same fairgrounds where you saw David Carradine, right? Right. And that was a comic book convention. I'm sorry. The the Orange County Fairgrounds. You are two for two on celebrities at the Orlando yeah. County Fairgrounds. Well, in this case. Orange County Fairgrounds. In this case. Okay. I, 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 I recall now. I'm Jeez. sorry. The comic book convention is where David Carradine. And they're, yeah, they're both dead, right? Like both yeah. celebrities that I saw at the Orange County Fairgrounds in Florida have died since then. But David Carradine was at the comic book convention that was held inside one of the, like, convention halls on the fairgrounds. And I actually went, got an autograph from him, couldn't, you know, like, you know, said, nice to meet you, got an autograph. Uh The end. Nothing else to that story. The other one, it wasn't the big Orange County Fair, but it was, like, a sort of smaller fair where they also had some celebrities there doing celebrity signings. I mixed up those two memories. Gotcha. Because, yeah, why would you have elephant rides and pony rides in a comic book convention? But they did all the same stuff. They had a Christian music festival there. All kinds of stuff happened at the Orlando County Fairgrounds. They say what happens at the Orlando, Orlando County Fairgrounds stays at the Orlando so, County Fairgrounds. Dan, did you end up getting the pony or elephant ride? I did ride the elephant, yes. Oh, wow. Nice. I didn't, see I any think, pictures? I don't think so. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, sorry. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Cornerstone, Florida used to happen at that same place. Uh, it only happened for a handful of years. Here it is in 2005. I was not at this one, but I did see Reliant K the year after this one. I'm going to skip ahead about a minute and a half into this video. Yay, the song's over. They all cheer. <laughs> Hoops is taking this moment to tune his guitar. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta prep for the next number. And we know that it's exactly 10.21 p.m. It's still Dave singing. It's like mostly Dave singing in this song, it turns out. And I don't know if that's a big difference on the uh, studio version. 
that is Tyson singing right there. That's Tyson singing the screamy okay. part. And now it's Dave singing, and and Tyson is just screaming. He's going ah, rah, rah, and it's Dave singing the lyrics. So there you go. Very versatile song. Seems like they could do whatever they wanted with this song. There's a nightcore. Are you interested in the nightcore? Sure. Here you go. Sometimes it's embarrassing to play nightcore for you. <laughs> sounds like a caricature of a child like a 1920s cartoon where it's some like 50 year old dude like hi i'm skippy (laughs) yeah that nightcore is not as good there's a second nightcore though let's boy This is just going to be the Nightcore and Star Wars Toxicity podcast from now on. <laughs> oh, this is about the same. Yeah, that one's not as good, but it seems like it's the exact same speed. So then someone did something called a short edit. They, like, cut down the end of the song. They, they made a radio edit for they, us. Yeah, they cut down eleven. Mi- they cut eleven seconds off. I the thought you were gonna say eleven minutes, and I'm like, oh, they yeah. just got rid of deathbed. I nice. did start to say eleven minutes. So this is uploaded by Marty Radical five years ago. That wrote, "I do not own this. This song and cover art belongs to Reliant K and their label Goatee Records." Oh, I I did do editing on this song. The last part of the song is super repetitive, and I was getting annoyed by it, so I made it shorter. If you feel the same way, I hope you enjoy this edit. This song was edited using the amazing free program Audacity, and then there's a link to Audacity. Okay, yeah, I can tell how they cut down the... I can't tell exactly where they did the edit. So yeah, that's pretty good. I can't hear yeah. the edit right there here in the room while we were listening, but they did cut down the Let Me Embrace Salvation part. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? I know what that's in reference to. Hold on, Vitamin String Quartet. <laughs> so now we move on to covers, and here is the Vitamin String Quartet's version of I Am Understood. idea what song this was <laughs> i can tell skip ahead a little now, <laughs> now i can tell 
Play the Suzanne Weezer part. The what? Here it is. They make it a little less Weezery. The Vitamin String Quartet. Oh, right. I forgot the Susanna Weezer part. Oh, this part's pretty creepy. Yeah, this is. Some creepy atmospheric stuff going on there. But then when the violin or... That's... I I don't even want the high string to come back in. Dark vitamin string quartet. They were going through something. This sounds beautiful and scary. How are they going to do the cool pop punk uh, little decline-esque thing? It's like we just went from the wedding to the funeral. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> sounds very midi. Even though I mm-hmm. I know does. they don't use MIDI, apparently. <laughs> well, oh wait, we gotta hear how they do the scream part. Hold on. Okay. It's pretty good. It's okay. So here's two girls in a church... Like a real pew church with like psalms, like a psalm number board on the wall. Like this looks church. like a really, this looks like a much more orthodox sort of church. At least the facilities okay. were built for a more orthodox uh, denomination. Could but just the, be an older church. Could be an older church. And they're going to do... Not everyone is like you and goes to like weird in like churches and industrial buildings. I had never heard of that until I met you. <laughs> I think I would assume that like... 80% of our Christian listeners have had experience with churches in industrial parks. I don't know, Danny. So this is uploaded by David Vogue, although I don't think either of them is David Vogue. You there's don't know no, that. I guess I don't know that. And there's no description, but it says, Jess R, 12 years ago, said, this is my favorite. Good job. And then Joyful Shoot said, chords, please. And Guitar Girl said, thanks. So I guess Guitar Girl is one of, is one of the, probably the one playing guitar. She solves a mystery. I just want to hear them rock out right here. (laughs) They just start screaming (laughs) in front of the whole congregation. People start throwing holy water. 
Oh, yeah. they didn't do the dun 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 dun. They skipped it. Oh. Yeah, so this song has some elements of softer to me and a little Nancy Drew in there. Is it a little Nancy Drew, a little softer to me, and a little Never Underestimate My Jesus? Mm, which I yeah. know is not the name of the song, but everybody calls it that. Yeah. Well, guess who's back yet again? Second time since uh, I need you. My voice cover of I'm Understood. Yeah. Bobby Moon's uh, here. Bobby! We're having, it's like he a, still hearts biters. This must be from the Sometimes. same day. But what are the odds that we picked like two cover two songs in the same like two weeks that it clearly he did these vocal covers on yeah. the same day? Sorry. So here's Bobby Moon's vocal cover of I Am Understood. Sometimes it's embarrassing to talk to you. The holy conversation with only one who sees right through this version of myself. I try to hide behind and I'll bury my face because my disgrace will leave me terrified. Sometimes I'm so thankful for our neighbors would be like, What's this guy downstairs just singing? It really sounded like he said the sex we make will spoil me. No, he said it right. I feel like that'd be quite an addition if he had said that way. Here's a different vocal cover he did. I don't know why only some of the Bobby Moon stuff comes up for me. I want to hear and him other do the ones don't. Bit. Oh, yeah. This is a different vocal cover by Bobby Moon. And he doesn't do the scream part there. Okay, so oh, we got we to gotta go back to the first cover I found. And not that second one I switched to. Okay, let's see. Here's me. Before I ever speak, you let me understand completely. Oh, he doesn't do it. Wow. Oh man. I'm kind of bummed. I really thought we were gonna get the screams from him. I want to hear somebody do the screams in a cover. Okay. Let's see. I mean, I didn't give those two girls a chance. Let's go back to those two girls. We're bouncing all around today. Let's see what they do. I thought you played that part. And you were bummed because they didn't. No, like, I was commit. bummed. I was bummed that they didn't do the no FX little breakdown with the guitar. Dun, 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 oh, dun, gotcha. But no, they don't do the screaming part either. Of course not. They're in a church. But we should have heard the applause for Guitar Girl. <laughs> you hear the mom holding the camera go uh. all right <laughs> so let's see who do you think's gonna do the screaming part we got tavish carry music doing an acoustic cover we've no got one. say guysy doing an acoustic cover and we've got hi mm. doing a female ukulele cover oh man let's just do the ukulele cover don't let us down kai or hi Sometimes 
I love that the love kind it. of timing and phrasing is yeah. being played with here. We were both bobbing our heads. Yeah. <laughs> I also really like her dress or her shirt. I can't tell if it's a dress or a shirt. Now I'm going to skip ahead to about 30 seconds left in the song and see what we get. Ten seconds left. Her background gives me like major Zoe De Chanel vibes. <laughs> it's like grandma's paintings in the background, very hipstery. <laughs> well, we can just quickly breeze through the last two covers because nobody seems to want to do the screaming part at the end. No one wants to do the mini softer to me cover. Well, they have to be protecting their vocals, Dan, you know. Forget about Tyson and, and Dave. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome oh, to hi. the Outlet Podcast channel. My name's Gazy, host Gazy. of the Outlet Podcast. And this is Say awesome Gazy. S-A-Y Gazy. G-E-I-Z-E. them via two media, audio and visual. Dual-wielding. Dual-wielding. Nice. Either okay. Can... <laughs> We're going to skip ahead to the last minute of Gazy's I defense, cover. let me embrace salvation. The noise has broken my defense. Oh, here you go. He's doing it. So let's go back a little. Yay. Gazy coming in for the win five years ago. I didn't say, but that ukulele covers from 12 years ago. So here we go. It's so simple, but so beautiful. And you recite my words right back to me. Before I even speak, you let me know. I am understood. The noise has broken my defense. Let me embrace salvation. The noise has broken my defense. Let me embrace salvation. The noise has broken my defense. Let me embrace salvation. The noise has broken my defense, let me embrace salvation. The noise has broken my defense, let me embrace salvation. The noise has... Awesome, very good. Well, I'm looking at Say Gazy's YouTube channel, and it seems like he's a Christian anime fan. Nice. Because he's got a video called Remembering Neon Genesis Evangelion, and... My first anime convention, Megacon. Oh, and... I thought he was just a fan of Christian animes. <laughs> No, I think he's, but then he's got another video called Solely and Holy Church Musicians and Solely and Holy Episode 3, Salvation. So he's a Christian and an anime fan. And then he's got a video on church shaming and the 
And I love this uh, thumbnail because it's him. It's called shirt. The video is called shirt shaming. And then in the thumbnail, he's putting his hands up in worship. And then also there's a Power Rangers doll there putting its hands up in worship. (laughs) It's like praise and worship Luigi. Yeah, exactly. I made a meme (laughs) way before I started making memes all the time called praise and worship Luigi. I had a Luigi toy who had his hands up and it looked like he was praising. I thought that it was that the the thumbnail right below it is of him in a car. And I thought that like he was just going to drive around and shout at church goers and shame them. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Well, this is our last cover. This is Tavish Carey music. And he doesn't do the, he didn't do the the screamy part either. So moving on, we'll close up with the thing you've been looking for for weeks. You've been asking me about this for weeks and it never comes up. And there's all these songs where you like, but the lyrics are perfect for a shipping video. Where are the shipping video to this? We have a shipping video to this. I wasn't even going to ask on this one. Well, who is your favorite couple non-canon couple in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, Of course it's Draco and Luna. (laughs) Who else could it be? (laughs) They would have the most blonde, white-haired babies in the world. (laughs) So this is uploaded... (laughs) Fantastic. I feel like they're going to have a lot less Luna footage than Draco footage. Yeah. So, this is uploaded by Lady Angel. <laughs> nice. And then it shows Luna in the in the lion costume that she wears at one point. Like, edited to make it look like she's staring at Draco oh while she's gosh, in her lion costume. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. And then they showed Harry looking sad. Harry's upset. He's like, well, I like Luna. <laughs> Yay, they look at <laughs> There's frame cut. There's like, they, they cut multiple <laughs> frames together to make it's it look fantastic. like they're turning to look at each other. Fantastic. Like different over the shoulder shots. Digitally composed on top of each other. And then I just realized that... <laughs> I don't know what that dialogue attempt there was. So I realized it's in black and white with this... Uh, ribbon of purple around the top probably to hide the composites Luna and Draco forever I say and then the classic shipping video it's never come up shut up (laughs) hilarious it's Xena warrior princess and what's her face? The blonde lady, her 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 squire or whatever her name was. I don't. I, I don't, don't know. Really I've know. never seen Xena. <laughs> I've never seen Xena either. But this is like the classic original lesbian ship. Like before the word shipping. You know, I, have we talked about this? I feel like we have. But the word shipping, factually, comes from the X Files community of the late nineties. They were the first ones to say where fans were like... I mean, they are getting really cozy in this video I'm currently watching. But this is probably... I think Xena is like the original, uh, like, 
what would you it wouldn't be queer baiting because they actually kind of acknowledge it a little bit but what would be the thing like mm, close enough right it sort of is like the, the writers of Xena especially since it was not a network show I thought that was a different actress but I think her hair is just different <laughs> the writers of not Lucy Lawless the other one I'm not a big Xena f- fan <laughs> I've seen a handful of episodes on television at stop the time. you write fanfic for these two. <laughs> oh my gosh now she got an even an even shorter like here this was a this was a syndicated show so it wasn't tied to a network so they could do almost whatever they wanted within the confines of what's allowed on aired television because it'd be mm-hmm. up to each individual network to air it or not so I believe that the writers of Xena understood the 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 fans who wanted their two main characters to be together in a lesbian relationship mm-hmm. so they purposefully never like rebuffed that or anything or that's not a word good they for ne- them yeah i i'm pretty sure that like the last season of xena like crazy stuff happens like like they're like fuck it it's the last season <laughs> yeah like i think it gets really wild because you know it's produced by oh, sam they're reaching out to each other the hopefully. show is produced by sam raimi oh wow i did not know that so I believe in the last season, like you go, they, she goes to the future, oh, and wow. like there's an episode that's set in like the writer a writers retreat for the show Xena. There's all kinds of oh, nutty stuff that wow. happens in the last season. But this is like, yeah, they're the original lesbian ship. Nice. And like I said, before oh, no, the word Xena shipping just existed, got hit with something. Is she gonna die? Are you going to start watching Xena now? Are you, no. Are you, compelled? I, you know, it's funny. I watch, I, like, years ago when it came to Netflix, I was like, oh, I hear about this show a lot. And I never tried to watch it. And I like sci-fi stuff. Let's try this. And I put on the first episode. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, just, just not hold up. I can't do this. I did the same thing with Dawson's Creek. Right. It's like, I hear a lot about this. And it came to Netflix. So I was like, let's give this a try. And I was like, nope. <laughs> well that's am i understood and i guess xena was not understood i am understood ah <laughs> oh, that was i am understood now dan xena was not understood by you i did watch the adventures of hercules you did really no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i was <laughs> just know that they're surprised. connected somehow <laughs> Is one a spinoff of the other or something? No, they're just kind of like set in the same universe. They're they're the, the the original Marvel Cinematic Universe. Gotcha. So that is, I am understood. I got it. You did. I got it. So Jessica, do you like yes. this song more, less, or the same? <laughs> it's a quite a conundrum. Because even though I love this song, I was getting a little tired of it. It is a little overlong for me after a while. And I, it's, it like takes me, it's like, I'm just waiting for that middle part, that no effects part in the center of the song. And it's the wording that I can't, that I'm like, (laughs) it's like, I didn't, I never thought about this song before. So I cannot necessarily like it the same. So we'll go with the Punko's pod thing. Hell yeah. Or yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Okay, well, I like it the same. Okay. <laughs> so I'm hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're taking next week off. Yes. So we'll have a free Patreon episode. Uh, am I understood? No. I am understood. <laughs>